you learn really fast. Know your value and set your standard, what you're willing to do and not willing to do, what you're willing to put up with and not willing to put up with, so that there's no question about the expectation and you can enjoy what you do. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Door Devil. You know, you know what? I need to mention Door Devil. I need to mention Door Devil to you. It's not just a want, it's a need because you need this. Door Devil, quite simply, defends your home against kicking burglary attacks. They happen frequently. There are 1.4 million homes that are broken into every year, and a lot of them are done through kick ins. If you've got a home security system, then props to you. I'm glad you've got that, and that's important. But it doesn't prevent the bad people from kicking in your door, whether it's your front door, your back door, your side door. You need something like the Door Devil, and Door Devil is the best in the business when it comes to providing proof that it works. You can go to doordevil.com and even watch a video with Terry Bradshaw talking about it. And you can see how it works. It's a very simple product to install. But if you're not into that, then you can just hire a handy person and they can they can install it for you. Very simple. Put it inside the door frame of your front door, your back door, every door you have. And you can defend your home against the kick-in burglary attacks. It's needed. In addition, this is my brother's company. So it's near and dear to my heart. And because it's my brother's company, I'm able to offer you an exclusive discount because he was so kind to do so. You can go when you check out your uh, purchase at doordevil.com and there's going to be a little field. You enter the word best ever, no space, just one word, best, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R, and you'll get a 20% discount on your purchase. So go to doordevil.com, go buy it, enter best ever and secure your home against kick-in burglary attacks. There are so many testimonials on the website. You can read them from police officers, from a woman who is being, uh, her house is being attacked from an enraged ex-husband, and the door devil defended that attack. Uh, He didn't get in. There's like 20 different testimonials from police officers on the door devil. Go buy it. Defend your home against burglary kick-in attacks. Go to doordevil.com and enter the word best ever whenever you check out and you'll get 20% off on your purchase. Best ever listeners. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. We don't talk about any of that fluffy stuff. We get straight to the best real estate advice that moves your business forward. With us today, we got Don Costa. Hello, Don. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? Hey, doing well, and thank you for joining us. A little bit about Don. He has been in the real estate business for over 10 years now. He started as a wholesaler, then moved to flipping shortly thereafter. And then during the crash in 2008, he took some time off, actually four years to be specific. And then in 2012, he founded Strategic REI, and his goal is to flip 100 homes this year. He's based in Fresno, California, and you can say hi to him and his team at strategicrei.net or 5minuteflip.com. Those links are in the show notes page. Don, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Absolutely. So I started out in 2003. I had just recently got married, and my wife wanted to start a family. I had uh, closed the business down, and at that point in time, my, my dream had always been real estate investing. And so I felt like I had no other chance to really get into it. So 
Basically, I went out and I interviewed with mortgage companies, and one of the individuals asked me why I wanted to be in mortgage. And I said, you know, I don't. I want to <laughs> I want to learn financing side, learn how to finance deals and get into, you know, real estate investing. That's my my dream. That's what I really want to do. And so he he looked at me and he goes, all right, we'll go find deals. So I started working in ODs, started knocking on doors and um, found I had a knack for building rapport with people going door to door, just spending you know, three to four hours a day in my car and and talking to people that had issues with their homes and started tying up properties and, and uh, you know, just started wholesaling deals. I mean, and from there, it uh, kind of took off and got into to flipping houses, you know, within a, a year or so after that and did that for quite some time until the market crashed. And like you said, I took some time off and uh, about 2012, um, I decided it was time for, for me to put the group back together and get back into it. And so here we are, you know, um, a handful of years later, you know, this year we should do 100 homes this year. With the door knocking, what's the uh, the keys to success there? You know, door knocking, the keys to success is patience, um, rapport, you know, just being open about why you're there. A lot of people try to skirt the issue as to why they're there. You know, I was very open. You know, I'd, they'd answer the door and I'd say, you know, hi, my name's Don. I'm here to talk to you uh, about your home. I've come across information that uh, you've had some issues with your mortgage and I'd like to see what you've done to resolve that. And you just get a conversation going. I think the biggest thing is rapport. The number one biggest thing is just taking the time to build the rapport, being sincere about the answers to the questions they're given to you, not taking no for an answer. 90% of the time they'll tell you, oh, I got it taken care of. And my response would be, that's great. What have you done to do that? What have you done to take care of it? And, oh, well, you know, um, some friend of mine is going to bring me money or this or that. So just asking the right questions too. And then um, going back, not leaving that first encounter and, and never following up, you know, going back, finding a reason, you know, hey, you know, that's great. You're talking to somebody about taking care of it. You know, can I uh, come back in a week or two and see how it's going for you? And then, you know, a week or two would go by and I come back and I talk to them and I talk to them about, you know, their family, their their job, their house, whatever. And I just took the time to build rapport. And I think that at that time, because there was a lot of competition in the market then, set me apart from my competitors. So, you know, rapport went a long way. The follow up went a long way. And then, you know, eventually, you know, maybe second visit, maybe third visit, maybe a month in, I'd end up with that property. You mentioned that after, you know, around 2008 when the crash happened, you took some time off. I want to know what exactly does that mean? Does that mean you lost it all and you had to take <laughs> some time off? Does that mean that you were in on the beach in Mexico sipping on some pina coladas? What does that mean exactly? It means during the... Um, the market at that time, pretty much anybody could make money. It was it was just a really crazy market, and and I had myself believing that it was all about me, that whatever I touched turned to gold. If that makes sense, and I built a mortgage company and a real estate company and a property management company, and I was flipping. And um, in two thousand eight, that whole apparatus was almost you know like a noose around my neck. It was kind of a crazy situation because nobody really knew if it was. Something's going to last a long time. If something's going to last six months, and so you're in this position of trying to decide: Do you liquidate everything? Do you close everything down? Do you try to stick it out and let it bleed for a while? And so we were pretty quick to shut everything down. And I actually went into a completely different business for a few years. And you know, it was. I want to say I, I don't want to say I didn't lose because it, there definitely was an impact. But I think I made the right choices by by being quick on my feet. I just went into a different business. 
but for me, it took me a little longer to get back into the market just because I got my hand slapped. And so, you know, I, I needed to make sure that I was really comfortable with the market. As I, as I tell everybody that I work with, we're not in the hope and pray business. You know, we know our business, we know our product, we, we make sure we understand it, we know our market. So I wanted to make sure I was comfortable with it. And that's why it took us a little longer, and I think most to get back in. And I, I want to ask a couple more questions on this, and then I want to talk about 100 homes a year. So just so you know, I'm, I want to talk about bo- both things, both you know, right. the lessons that you've learned and then also what, what you got going on right now. Um, what business did you go into after you left real estate in 2008? A completely left field business. We actually, I partnered up with some people and we went into restaurant and nightclub. So um, we had uh, opened an operation actually right at the beginning of 2008 and it was a restaurant nightclub business. And I partnered in that for a handful of years, and then and then I removed myself from that partnership to get back into the real estate side of things. And did you put money into it as a part owner, and then just were overseeing things? I did. Yeah, I put almost a million dollars into that. And uh, was that profitable for you? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's still yet to be seen. But people are going to party there. People are, yeah, absolutely. People are still going to part of it. Okay. I want to ask one more question about the shutdown in 2008 when you quickly decided to close it up. Why did you quickly decide to close it up or down, I guess, close it down versus sticking it out a little bit longer? You know, first and foremost, I had gotten some advice from a family member who was, um, he's a sheetrock contractor for builders, and he had probably it's about six months, eight months before the crash. He said through another family member, sell everything you have, every piece of real estate, move into an apartment, wait a year and see what happens. And I remember at that time I kind of laughed it off and I was like, you put me in any market in any city and I'm going to make, you know, 10 grand wholesale (laughs) a contract. I was just like, you know, I'm the greatest thing. Right. It was literally like in our area, it was literally like you could sell houses, you know, with very little days on market. And it went from that to, you couldn't sell a house at all. Like nobody was making offers on anything almost overnight. And it, you know, that, that advice kind of rang in the back of my head that, you know, this is something to take seriously. And so we moved to cut all costs and, and to get out of it. And, and it was, I'm, I'm honestly the best decision I made, thank God, because there are a lot of people who tried to hang on and the bleeding didn't stop for a long time. How so. much did you lose and how much do you think you could have lost? Um, well, uh, in 2009, I wrote off, I would say, probably close to a million dollars. I had a lot of properties. I could have lost a lot more. So it's kind of a hard answer mm-hmm. or a question to answer, you know, as far as how much more we could have lost. But, you know, like I said, we had two offices, 40 agents, a mortgage company, a real estate company. That was a big amount of money we pan out every month to support that infrastructure. And when it just instantly stopped producing, you know, it, I, my operation at that time probably cost me about $100,000 a month just to keep mm-hmm. going. And so between, you know, buying, you know, the, the holding the properties and the, and, and the infrastructure and, and that kind of thing. So it could have added up really, really fast. What are you doing differently this go around versus then? This go around, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Dave Ramsey <laughs> <laughs> and everything in our office is paid for. We do use investor capital. We do leverage, uh, but we're very careful about how we do it. 
it, it's not, I guess, not being full of myself and not being in, you know, as a group, we're not full of ourselves. So we try to be very specific about what we do as far as timelines. You know, everything we do is on annualized ROI, get in, get out get paid. We can do a full rehab from, you know, roof to floor in about three weeks. And it's just the efficiency, I think, is is very important. The efficiency and making sure that we have a good foundation to work from. If the system was to cumble again, um, it would not be the impact it was last time. Do you have a desire to have as large of an organization, you know, with 40 plus team members? Or now are you more focused on decreasing the recurring costs on a monthly basis for salaries, things like commissions, things like that. We're very um, frugal about how we handle things. I don't want my name on the side of a building. I don't want to have a large organization. We are very specific about our team members and, and, and what they bring to the table. We have a, a nice office, but it's not an extravagant office. Like I said, everything in it is paid for. We're very careful about that. So the answer is absolutely not. We don't want to have an, a, a large organization. It doesn't make sense. We, we found that we can do a lot more with less. And, and so we live by that principle, you know, maximizing every dollar that gets spent, maximizing timelines, and just being as efficient as we can be. Do you own your office? We do not. We do lease our office, but we own everything in it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Were you renting the furniture before? No, not necessarily. But, you know, like you, you buy your phone systems on, on credit, uh-huh. you buy copiers on lease, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. So, you know, we're like we have, uh, we own the copier, you know, so that's, that. I guess that's what I mean by that. Okay. Why a hundred deals uh, instead of 10, but just higher dollar amounts? Because we can do the 10 with higher dollar amounts and still do the, you know, the lesser dollar amounts. We're pretty efficient in what we do. We got a lot of great team members. We're a relationship-based business. We built a lot of great relationships with a lot of contractors and vendors around us, and we're able to accomplish a lot of things very efficiently. And so, you know, we just, we try to maximize, you know, like I said, do more with less. So we, we pick up homes for a half million dollars and, and renovate those and sell those. We pick up homes for $30,000 and renovate those and sell those. So we go in markets we understand. We buy from, you know, basically Bakersfield, California, all the way up to the Bay Area, Sacramento, and we're able to do it. So why not? How many direct reports do you have? I want to say five. What do they do? Two of our guys are, their sole purpose is acquisitions. They're beating the pavement. They're, they're building relationships with agents. They're building relationships with wholesalers. They're setting up our marketing campaigns. I have two project managers. So two of the guys are specifically, you know, making sure that the bids are done, the the contractors are there on time, that they are um, on time and on budget. And then um, we have a, a controller in our office to make sure that uh, we know where every dollar goes. And then we actually have a couple of agents in the office as well. So, Are any of them on salary or are they all project-based commission profit sharing? The acquisitions guys are commission based, you know, and and profit sharing. Um, the agents are commission based. Our controller, of course, is is a salary, yeah. and then our pro- our project managers get a small base, and then they get a bonus that they you know hit timelines and budget. Don, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Um, you know, my best real estate investing advice ever would be not to put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> and from that, I mean, you know, don't just do one system. We work with wholesalers who bring us properties. We have relationships with real estate agents. 
who bring us properties. We do our own uh, marketing campaign. You know, we do our own postcard and and uh, and letter drops. We get properties from all different sources. Um, you know, don't just work with one money source. Different money sources have different criteria for for lending to you. You know, always keep your options open. Don't work with one contractor. You can get yourself in a lot of trouble by finding one great contractor and just sticking with them. You got things like price creep. Maybe they schedule something where they can't get to you. So, you know, build relationships with multiple vendors. So that would be my best advice is just make sure that you are building multiple relationships in whatever avenue that you're exploring and and, and keep those relationships, you know, open and available to you. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you have a fix and flip project that needs financing? Then go to fundthatflip.com. You can do the online application. Takes as little as five minutes to see if you're approved. And then you could be financed within seven days. Pretty quick stuff. They're an online lender. They specialize in fix and flip projects. Go to fundthatflip.com. Best ever book you've read? Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? The market crash. Um, <laughs> stay, stay tight. Stay on budget. Stay nimble. So, <laughs> you also learned some uh, probably dance moves from nightclubs, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Best ever way you like to give back. You know, um, I, I love sharing, coaching, and working with new people in our area. I love developing and, and making them achieve their dreams and helping them achieve their dreams and goals and. And, uh, you know, they, a lot of them become wholesalers we work with and stuff like that. So that's one of them. And then, of course, anything that's children related, you know, I try to get back to. So, Best ever deal you've done? The best ever deal I, I had done was back in the previous market. I had wholesaled a transaction, a property for $120,000 without even touching it. Can you tell us the story? Absolutely. I made contact with the, the seller and the individual. The individual wanted to do a modification. At that time, um, you could pretty much call a bank and... and achieve a lot of things. I walked them through how to do it. I helped them get their modification and I went on with my life thinking that nothing would come from it. A handful of months later, they found themselves back in default, called me up and said they wanted to sell. And so um, contracted with them to buy their property. I got actually the, got contacted from an individual that was interested in the property and did a, a double escrow and took $120,000 from the transaction right down the middle. And first you help them get it modified and then the second go around they got they went to default and that's whenever you got the 120k absolutely for when they went to default the second time they called me and said look you know we can't keep this property we tried and, and we just want to sell we made them a very fair offer on their property um and it turns out that everybody it was a great win-win for everybody everybody made good money on that transaction what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate um you know i think early on the biggest mistake I made was not knowing my value with, with investors I worked with, with um, contractors I worked with. And I put myself in a situation where people were able to kind of control the story. And so, you know, you learn really fast, you know, set your standard, know your value and set your standard, what you're, what you're willing to do and not willing to do, what you're willing to put up with and not willing to put up with, you know, so that, um, there's no question about the expectation and you can enjoy what you do. If that makes sense. How do you identify what your value is? As a flipper, you have a certain expertise, right? And so you can have money come in and try to control you and say, we have the money, we have the power, but really 
as a flipper, you have an opportunity to, to earn, you know, quite a bit of money. And so setting your standard right from the beginning of what your value is, knowing that you're bringing something to the table helps you negotiate a better position in that relationship so that neither party is being taken advantage of. With contractors, it's just knowing, again, you're bringing work to the table. You're bringing a paycheck to the table. And so you, you, you know, from that position, from that foundation, you can say, this is my standard. I want a reasonable standard of quality. I want a reasonable timeline. And I'm going to expect that. And if it's not to my standard, you're going to do it again. And if you set that right from the beginning, you have less chance of them trying to roll over you. Don, I know you're based in Fresno, but where are you originally from? I am from the, the Turlock Modesto area of California originally. Huh. All right. I, you know what I was expecting to hear? What's that? I was expecting to hear like Baltimore or New York City or something. You talk really fast, and we've gotten we've covered so much in this episode. <laughs> I love it. Like, like I, 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 I'm like taking notes. I'm also looking at how much time has elapsed. I'm like, how the heck have we talked about all this stuff in such a short amount of time? This is awesome. Hopefully, I didn't talk too fast. But... No, no. Well, it's a podcast. All the best ever listeners can just like rewind, hit the rewind button. It's like a 15 second thing that they can do. Right. What's the best ever place the best ever listeners can reach you? They can check us out on Facebook at, at facebook.com/strategicrei. Or they can catch us at uh, 5minuteflip.com. Cool. And then your website, strategicrei.net. Yes. N-E-T. What happened to the .com? Uh, it's taken. Ah. Was <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't call them punks. I probably interviewed them on the show. I don't even know who they are. I had to look. <laughs> right. Well, this has been, as I mentioned, we've covered a lot of stuff and uh, much appreciated for spending some time with us talking about your business before everything you touched turned to gold then not so much whenever it you know the sky came falling down for everybody as an aside i'd love to have that um sheetrock contractor Contractor. i think i need to interview that sheetrock contractor (laughs) have him rub his his sheetrock and tell me what's in the future for all of us the things that we talked about that I, I really took away from one is now on the second go around, you're a huge Dave Ramsey fan. Uh, most of the best of your listeners know what that means. And if not, then uh, debt ain't good. That's basically what that means. How you focus on a strategic leverage. You're still, you're still using some investor money, but it's uh, more strategic and uh, you're very specific with the timelines, your annualized ROI, and I'm also glad that you went over into the direct reports and talked about the you know the acquisition, two acquisition guys, the two project managers, the one controller, how you compensate them both on commission as well as salary. Everybody's on commission and, and profit sharing except for the controller who's on salary. I think it's really interesting to, to hear how you structure that. Knowing that you had a team before that was much larger and it was costing you 100K a month to keep going and you quickly pulled the trigger and uh, you lost 900k or you wrote off 900k in 2009 but who the heck knows what that could have been if you had not had pulled the trigger you're doing 100 deals or your goal is 100 deals this year and wish you the best of luck with that hope you have a best ever week and we'll talk to you soon and thank you so much thank you thank you very much do you have a fix and flip project that needs financing then go to fundthatflip.com you can do the online application takes as little as five minutes to see if you're approved And then you could be financed within seven days. Pretty quick stuff. They're an online lender. They specialize in fix and flip projects. Go to fundthatflip.com.